Welcome back to Who Knows. It's a podcast where I just read things to you. And if you're just now listening, everything's really random. So welcome to that too. Um, it's like it's like when you have to wait till the next week for a new episode of something to come out. Only with me, you have to wait until I just want to do it. So sorry, guys. Try to bust out a few in a row, so but if there's a story you're just like waiting to continue, we'll get to it. Patience. Patience. Um yeah, so we are now getting back into the fiction story that I found on Reddit. Um titled An Old Guy Hired Me to Manage His Life Size Dollhouse. And we are on part four, so if you haven't listened to any of the other parts, uh, go back. It's a pretty interesting story so far. Um, and yeah, this one is titled, Down with the Bullmen Where Nobody Goes, dot, dot, dot. Ronnie got out his phone and switched on the flashlight, illuminating a narrow winding staircase that stretched out infinitely below us. He went first, treading carefully, but also keeping up a pace that proved a challenge to my shorter legs. I focused hard on not tripping over the concrete steps, noting their poor asymmetrical design. We didn't speak. I wish I could tell what Ronnie was thinking. Probably that I had gone insane from hanging around an old woman who played dress-up with life-size dolls. I guess that would be better than him believing that I was essentially a product of evil, which was the current ruling theory. I kept my eyes peeled for any clues as we walked, but there was little to look at. The winding staircase seemed to grow smaller, its filthy bare walls threatening to close on us, in on us at any moment. I think after the first few minutes of rapid descent, we both silently gave up hoping to find any sort of exit. Wherever we were going, it wasn't above ground. I felt Ronnie slow his pace a little. I wish you hadn't followed me, I addressed the back of his head. I wish you ha- you'd had more sense than to come back here. Ronnie was not one for spitfire retorts, which made his words burn all the more. I got where he was coming from. I just wished he could understand what was happening to me. Ever since we'd started on this journey behind walls, my thoughts had cleared and my emotions had stabilized. Speed-doped butterflies raced a flutter in my stomach. There was an itch in the back of my mind, reminding me of what I could do in this place. The power it held for me. I noticed goose pimples popping up on my cousin's neck as we went lower and lower, but my own body temperature only increased, warming me from the inside. It felt good. At least ten minutes had passed with no change when Ronnie halted abruptly, causing me to bump into him. He had his shoulders hunched forward and legs bent at the knee. The stairs end here. Is something wrong? It's no back exit, that's for sure, he mumbled, turning off his phone flashlight. Looks like a dead end. I expected darkness, but there was a soft yellow hue slipping around Ronnie's large frame. We continued down the last few steps until hitting the concrete below. I pulled up at his side to see what we had come upon a cave-like chamber, no bigger than a foyer in a small house. The walls and ceiling were rounded, barren but smooth. A bronze statue filled the space. It had the head of the bull creature and the body of a man in a cloak. In his hands it held the source of light, a lantern. Soft flames flickered from inside the soot-covered glass. I walked up to the sculpture, watching its features morphing with every step. There was no mistaking the human glare of eye 
of the eye crossed with the bull's giant nostrils and horns. At some angles, it looked more human. Others revealed pure beast. Both versions had lines of fury embedded in the bronze, a vicious energy flowing off every chiseled detail. Without thinking about it, I placed my hands on the gold ring that dangled from the nose of the statue. Lou, what are you doing? Ronnie's voice faded out as visions erupted in my mind, blasting off like fireworks hidden deep inside my optic nerve. Dozens of cloaked figures and bullmen masks marched through the underground tunnels, their movements a symphony of precision. They chant ancient hymns indecipherable to the world above ground. Candlelight doubles their numbers and their shadows bounce on walls like black flames. They spiral further down, going from a tunnel to tunnel until they're as far below as they can be. As close as they can be. To what? To whom? A string of words. Womb. Vessel. Container. A slab of concrete drenched in decades of blood. Three men in surgical scrubs and, a, and visor masks doused it in bleach, but the brown color has soaked through. This is blood rock. A woman must conceive the bull's son or bleed out in sacrifice. Thousands have died during the ritual. A dungeon, young woman on the brink of death, awaiting their fate on blood rock, all to serve his purpose, to bear him a firstborn. Lou, Ronnie pleaded, clasping his hands over my mouth as echoes of my screams ricocheted off the chamber walls. I tried to contain my sobs, but it was impossible. The words and sights wouldn't leave my mind. There was too much death, too much savagery, too much. I must have gone limp in Ronnie's arms. I don't know how long it took him to coax me out of my catatonic state. The residual effects of the statue lingered as my body movements returned to me in fear-induced spasms, like those of a rabbit frozen before a predator. I never believed you about the object stuff, I heard Ronnie say. I always wondered why you lied about that when you were so honest about everything else. I should have known there was more to it. We have to get out of here, I stammered, forcing myself back onto my feet. Turn the ring, Ronnie. He gave me a questioning look, but did as I said, walking up to the statue with a hint of trepidation. The moment he rotated the ring in the sculpture's nose, a pair of round slabs rolled out from either side of the statue, revealing two dimly lit corridors. How did you... Ronnie began, but I cut him off. Listen, okay? Ronnie was about to say something else, but thought better of it. I hated the way he was looking at me, like I was someone else entirely. The light from the lantern cast shadows on his face, making it look like he was cycling through emotions. In truth, he wore a singular, bewildered look. This last week had been an ordeal not for not only me, that much was obvious. Unfortunately, we didn't have time for a heart-to-heart -heart in some rich man's underground torture club. I can do things, like the reading objects thing, but there's more to it, especially here. The woman upstairs, she's like me, or I'm like her, I don't know. There's some really dark shit going on and in, in and under this house. And I know we've both seen some messed up stuff back at home, but not like this. We could fucking die here. A lot of people have. I was afraid to look at him after finishing my largely incoherent ramble. Had I told him enough? No. There were too many bloody corpses flashing through my mind to string together a proper sentence. I'm sorry I got you into this, I added, finally looking up to him. Ronnie hesitated before speaking. I would never forgive myself if I wasn't there when you needed me. Lou, you're the only family I have. Tell me which way to go and I'll follow. We'll talk about the rest later. If we go back upstairs, we have the best shot at escaping, I started. But there are other girls here, girls like me, who came looking for a job. They're down one of these tunnels. I think it's the right one. So we go right. We go right. 
I agreed, relief washing over me. It was selfish, but I was glad my best friend was there. I may not I may have not I may not have been able to do this without him. I gathered my thoughts as we continued our journey into the ground. The tunnel was dark, but there were more lanterns lighting our way, appearing on our right every few feet. Our shoes scraped against the concrete, reverberating off the hollow walls, hollowed out walls, announcing our presence to whoever might be lurking in wait. My only hope was that Mrs. Claymore had no intentions of sending her husband down to get us and that he had he and his fucked up bull buddies weren't likely to meet down here on a weekday afternoon. At last we came upon a metal sheet wall with a door in the middle of it. It was crafted from clean black steel, the color reminding me of gun barrel residue. The door was bolted shut with a thick golden lock hanging from it. Ronnie threw me a curious glance, but didn't say anything. I'm going to try something, I said. Stand back. It wasn't the height like the hygienist ordeal. I was a lot calmer since my life wasn't on the line, not yet at least. I felt a pleasant tickle in my palm and ankle. In a weird way, it felt like Mrs. Claymore was with me again nudging me forward through a magic of her own. A cool thrill ran through my body. It felt a bit like I was taking a sip of cold water on a hot day, but it started at the top of my spine and trickled out to every last bone in my body. My mind felt light, nimble as a champion chess player's tool. I focused on the lock, scanning it with my eyes until I had a vision of it in my head. Its curves glinted seductively as I went over the weight form and the ridges inside the latch. I decided to try and pull it open carefully, Pull it open. Carefully, I released an inkling of the darkness that had bubbled up the, at the back of my throat. It all felt so natural, sending it along the neural pathways that connected to the image in my mind. I only wanted to pull it apart, but I had underestimated my abilities. Holy shit, Ronnie ducked down as the lock exploded into a bounty of golden scraps that went flying past our heads. Damn, I said. That was less than a drop. Ronnie gave a bewildered shake of the head as we approached the wall together. I think he was used to going first, but this time he caught himself mid-stride and held back. I walked in front and pulled the door open. We stepped into a corridor that ran, ran perpendicular to the tunnel behind us. It wasn't exactly cozy, but it had some semblance of inhabitation. There was a long brown rug that ran the length of the floor with a couple of chairs standing up against the wall. The doors were the main point of focus, though. There were five of them, all made of the same red oak. Honestly, the whole thing looked like some weird dungeon-themed hotel floor. I think I hear something, Ronnie said. I held my breath and listened, dread creeping up my spine as I imagined an enemy at every door. After a second or two, I heard what Ronnie was talking about. Muffled sounds came from the far end of the corridor to our left. They were somehow both shrill and soft and largely incomprehensible. We started walking toward the noise until we reached the last door and realized what the sound was. Someone was crying, their sobs traveling through the wall in irregular whimpers. Hello? I called, pulling on the door handle, which of course was locked. The crying stopped. I didn't have to focus on the lock this time. I just tapped into the tiniest bit of energy. It was like grazing the gas pedal on a luxury automobile, easy and smooth. The latch snapped open as I pulled on the handle again. What I saw inside was probably worse than everything else I had encountered at Vanderly House. It wasn't as horrifying as finding out the dolls weren't real, or as dreadful as hanging upside down in the hygienist's grasp. grasp. It wasn't as terrifying as reading the statue and seeing what the bullmen got up to, the, 
two underground. It was all these emotions mixed into one devastating reveal. The truth behind the mysterious dolls appear upstairs. The reality of what would have been my fate had I not the abilities to fight it. The room looked a bit like a motel room. It had double a double bed, a vanity mirror, a couple of armchairs, and a door to a bathroom where one might expect a window. There was a large mirror. Hello, I repeated, cautiously addressing the young woman sitting on the bed. She was missing an arm. She was so small that I first wondered if she was a child. She had beautiful reddish-purple hair with the striking blue eyes and a freckled nose. She would have been impossibly lovely had she not been so injured and pale. The girl didn't respond. Her eyes were red from crying, and she started stared past us as we inched our way into the room. Ronnie kept his eyes to the ground since the girl was naked except for the bandages that covered her wounds all over her body. There was blood seeping through the bundle on her left shoulder on the spot where she had recently lost an arm. The rest of her torso was a paranorma of torture, a panorama of torture. Her emaciated chest moved painfully as she took shallow breaths, the bones in her broken ribcage sliding under her skin, bruising it from the inside. My name is Lou and this is Ronnie. We're going to get you out of here. The girl was non-responsive. She started crying again. Those same jittery whimpers coming out in an unstable rhythm of pain. Droplets streamed down her face and fell into the bloodied sheets on the bed. Finally, her eyes met mine. Her forehead twitched, but that was her only reaction. Can you help her, Lou? Ronnie asked, backing up to the doorway and peering out into the corridor. I've got a bad feeling about all this. We've been roaming around undisturbed for a while now, and I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I don't know how, I replied, honestly at a loss. I wanted to help the poor young woman, but she looked like she was about an inch away from death. What could I even do? Excuse me. Use your powers, Ronnie replied. I don't know how to heal, only how to destroy, I said, shaking my head in dismay. Use them to destroy the thing she's feeling. I looked at Ronnie. He was still guarding the doorway, peering out nervously in anticipation of an interruption that was sure to come. How did he do it? Just come up with brilliant ideas like that on the spot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had no idea if I would be able to do what she was suggesting, what he was suggesting, but it was worth a shot. I walked over to the bed and sat beside the girl. I reached out and took her only hand in between my palms. She was ice cold, and I can barely believe she had a pulse at all. She didn't react to my touch in any special way, just kept up her whimpers in a steady, heartbreaking tempo. I closed my eyes, trying to focus on her like I would an object, but it was difficult. Sure, we are physical beings made up of cells, but the pains of her body were a secondary affliction. I tried to dig deeper to find the pit of darkness that was eating her slowly from inside. It took considerable effort to find anything. Her body was practically a husk, no hint of a spirit in sight. I pushed further, desperately searching for something to latch onto. And then I felt it. I felt her. She was so close to oblivion on the very edge of hollowness. The darkness had almost swallowed her whole. I imagined it was a ball, chaos running rampant inside. I focused on it. I couldn't just destroy it. It was so closely entwined with what was left of her soul that I risked maiming her forever. I tried another approach. I started gently sucking it out of her, remembering how Mrs. Claymore had drawn out the blood from my wounds. I was careful to let the embers of her spirit behind. When I was done, I gave them a gentle blow, hoping to reignite the flame. Then I focused on coming back. My eyes flickered open to find her staring at me in disbelief. You, she breathed out. Ow, fuck, that hurts. She pulled her hand from me, wrapping around her body. 
I think her ribs are broken, I said to Ronnie. There's nothing I can do. We'll get her to a hospital, he said to me, then turned to the girl. I'm going to come over and lift you as gently as I can. It's going to hurt, but we're going to get you out of here. The girl grimaced in pain, but nodded, her colorful hair bouncing in consent. Ronnie ran over to the bed and lifted her in his arms. She screamed out in pain. In her every move, another blow of torture. For the first time, I wondered if I had done the right thing bringing her back from the brink of serenity. Was a shot at life really worth it, especially when there was no guarantee we would actually get out of here? I was getting really angry, really fucking pissed at the piece of shit man that could build an, an underground hellhole designed to extinguish human essence and end innocent lives. I was done fucking around, too. Absolutely fucking done. Ronnie, start heading back, I said. What about you? He asked, walking over to the door with the cycling, crying girl curled in his arms. I have to deal with the sick fuck that's been watching us through this one May mirror, I replied, turning to shatter the glass on the wall. And that's part five, or part four, sorry. That was part four, guys. Wow. Let's get interesting. Yeah, if any guys, uh, anybody have any uh, comments on this story, just let me know and send me a message somewhere. You can find it. Um, you can find me on Facebook at dot com slash who knows. And you can also find me on um um, the Instagram, Twitch Lash. I'm there. Um, cool. Well, thanks for coming for this one. And there are two more parts left, so I'm probably going to bust them out here tonight. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming.